you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks. And Zach Bechtold. This week on the Bearded Theologians, um, we're going to spend about the next five weeks uh, looking at the book of James uh, that's in your Bible. Uh, that's Martin Luther's least favorite book uh, in the Bible, so much so that he really didn't want it in the canon. And so um, we're just going to move through the book of James. We'll have some kind of guiding questions on our website, and uh, we just would love for you to be in the conversation with us as we make this journey together. And so, Zach, as we begin the um, looking into the book of James, what are some things that um, come to your mind uh, going uh, from here? Well, I think I think anytime we dive into um, into scripture, but in particular into a whole. Um, a whole book. I think we have to kind of lay out the context and the background of of the book. And so, so with James, um, what we have or who we have here, um, at least what we yeah, what we have here is uh, James, who who is is the brother of Jesus. And so, um, you have to figure with that comes a little bit of experience and and weight that James kind of knows what's up. He knows what he's talking about. And, um, and then I think, so knowing who James is and where he's coming from, I think the next thing we have to really look into is who, who is James writing to? Um, and, and we find from the beginning of uh, the opening of James's letter here that he's writing to the 12 tribes, uh, the 12 tribes. And so we, we kind of get a we gather who, who James is, who he's writing to, and that lets us form why he's writing and doing the things, uh, saying the things that he is. Um, and so he jumps right into it uh, and says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Um, and, and I think this sticks out to me for, for a couple of different reasons. Um, in particular, I'm, I'm preaching the Beatitudes or just finished preaching, up, uh, preaching the Beatitudes. And uh, that's exactly what Jesus ends the Beatitudes um, persecution is going to come your way. Rejoice in that. Um, because if you're, if you're being persecuted for something I said and something and living into, into Jesus, into Christ-like ways, then that's a good thing because you're doing what you're called to be doing. And so for James to, uh, start off with that, I think is, is important. We get to see, um, a little bit of what, uh, and who James is talking to and what they're going through. And, I think he starts off with a bit of encouragement here. So, so thinking about that, I always kind of thought of the the book of James is almost proverb like, mm-hmm. um, in a sense that um, he's addressing issues and kind of giving some words of wisdom and um, and and I've always just kind of that's kind of where I've thought about that. And so as I've dived into this, always you know kind of reflecting on um, what am I trying to learn or what 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 are the words trying to say to me and speak to me that may be applying right now in my life or some things, maybe some for the tools uh, down the road. And, uh, you know, um, in here we, we hear that, um, there should be various tests you encounter as occasions of joy. I, I, I like that statement. My brothers and sisters think of the various tests you encounter as occasions of joy, you know, mm-hmm. and I see that as like our mindset matters. 
And far too often, um, it's amazing to see that when like someone's going through like a terminal illness that they like kind of take it full force with a, you know, I've got this or, you know, it's really in God's hands and, and not necessarily like super joy, like, you know, Christmas joy, but in a sense of joy that this isn't going to kill me. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and far too often we, I think we kind of, we look at something and if it doesn't go our way, instead of trying to find the joy in it, um, and maybe whatever positive, maybe even if it's a small little positive, I think we get so hung up on the negative um, and our world is so negative um, that maybe we need to take this in consideration that we should in, uh, encounter the, these kind of occasions, the, the tests that we face in life as for occasions of joy. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's kind of one of the first things as we kind of dive into this that, that, that mm-hmm. comes out to me. I would agree. And, and I think one of the ways we do that is, is asking that question of where do we see God at work in this? Um, you know, it allows us to push through that negativity and to see, um, see, what, see where God's at work and see what's going on. Um, see what joy you can pull out of, you know, maybe a crappy situation. And, and one of the things to take note is, and I don't know about what translation uh, the listener you're listening uh, with, but um, I, I utilize the common English Bible. And one of the things it talks about is that um, this whole idea of mature um, is kind of the, um, you, you think of it as being complete or, or a whole. Um, and, and when we're mature in our faith, um, we really do lack nothing. Um, we find ourselves, you know, we, we know what we need and we know how to get it and we can, you know, we're adults in that situation. And, and sometimes in our faith, um, maybe we're not there yet. Maybe we're not, we don't know how to grow in our next step. Maybe we need guidance and, and maybe that maturity comes when we find it or we find our place and we uh, can be fully utilized. And, and when we think of being mature, you know, if you think of those older adults, you know, when you're a teenager, you think, oh man, I, I can't wait, you know, um, I can't wait to be a mature adult. And I'm still trying to wrestle with what that really means um, <laughs> in this day and age. Uh, Cause I think that we, um, I think we have high expectations when we think of mature. And I think that I think that's so what, I think that's what James is getting at is to, is to, you know, be well, be full into it. Like, you know, be mature. Well, and, and, and I'm reading out of the NRSV and uh, another one, um, but the way the NRSV um, lays it out says, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. And, and part of endurance, you know, you know, as well as I do, if you're running a long race, um, there's some effects there. You know, you're, you're going you're gonna to need to sprint at some point. You're going to have to conserve your energy. You're going to be dog tired. You're going to want to lay down and cry. You know, and there's going to be, be joy in it all when it's done, hopefully. Um, but I think too often when we're going through crap in our lives that, that we get to a point we just give up and we stop, you know. Um, and, and we don't let that endurance have its full effect. We don't, we're, I don't know if as a people for willing to go through the, the peaks and valleys of life fully, or if we just walk away too often. Well, and that leads into verse 12. Uh, those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They are tried and true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's easy to say, you know, that this will get better. There's light in the tunnel, all that stuff. But when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see the outcome, especially if it's a hard, if it's a difficult situation. But, you know, even in, in joyful situations, we don't want this to end. And, and 
But when it ends, we have that feeling of either joy or, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that that's done. Um, and, and I think that those battle scars, they make us stronger and they remind us not to do again, like that one on top of your head um, there that you can kind of see. Um, and, and those situations um, help make us better. And I think that, that like you think of pastors, that pastors take that with them. They take those battle wounds and they hopefully grow from them and, and be better um, because of the lumps that they've taken throughout the years. Right. And, and it's those, it's those lumps that make us who we are. Um, and I think that's what builds our faith, knowing that, yeah, we're going to take some lumps. There's going to be some ups and downs, uh, but God's right there with us, um, walking along with us in, in having, giving us that guidance, uh, giving us that peace to make it, make it through another day, make it through another valley or take another lump. Um, and that does, that makes us who we are. So, um, these tests that we face, um, we notice that in uh, 13, he says, no one who is tested should say, God is tempting me. This is because God is not tempted by any form of evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by their own cravings. They are lured away and enticed by them. Uh, once those cravings conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. So Zach, as you, as you wrestle with that, what are some things that kind of come up with you? You know, that, that's a really fun, um, a fun thing that James says there, because we have this idea in this theology here today that, you know, God, God, God's not going to give us anything that we can't. And when I hear that, I think of this verse, because I don't think God tests us. And I think that's what James is reminding us here is no, God's not out there or, you know, standing wherever God stands and, and throw and test your way to see if you stumble or fall or see if you can handle it or not. No, that's, that's not of God. That, that's not God's purpose. Um, and yet there's this whole idea that, well, this, you know, this came at me today and, and that's God testing me to make sure my faith is solid. I, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, God's going to be with you in those moments. Um, but it's, it's like James says here, um, God can't be tempted, but, but one is tempted by their own desires. Um, it's those desires within us that capture our hearts, that capture our, our feelings and in that we act out that we want to go and pursue and that holy we pursue. If if we, if we blame it on God testing us, there's no, there's no accountability there. There's no ownership in us actually saying, ah, messed up. Um, you know, I shouldn't have done that today. Um, it has nothing to do with anything but you and your own desires and what, what you want. Well, and as I was thinking about that, um, and thinking about what you're saying is that we, we put ourselves in those places in situations where sometimes we refuse to take blame because we don't want to admit that we screwed up. Right. Or we don't want to admit that we live like, you know, let's say a guy who, you know, ate tons and tons of meat, didn't do any exercising, didn't do anything, um, you know, gets a heart attack and, and, you know, suffers for the rest of his life. Uh, and, and he tries to blame that on God. And, and I'm, no, that's, that's your fault. You're the one that chose mm -hmm. to live the unhealthy, you know, you're the one that, that, that made that decision that caused your body to shut down. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I, it's always hard when, when we're sitting with people that are struggling with that. They're like, I, you know, I, 
no, this can't be this way. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you know, God, you know, doesn't just sit there and say, okay, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Right. Oh, you get a bag of rocks. He's right. like Oprah. You uh, get cancer. Yeah, you <laughs> get cancer. Sorry right. about that. Oh, you are part of genocide. You know, that, right. Um, as, as we think about God and how God works in the world, um, we got to realize that in those bad situations, in those bad times, God is right there with us and that sometimes God will provide for us mm-hmm. people that will help us through those situations. Um, Adam Hamilton refers to those as stretcher bearers and who are your stretcher bearers. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important to have those, but I, I don't think we can really force the blame on God, but what we can do is invite God in and ask God to come and be with us and, and help us. No, that that's exactly right. Um, uh, we can't blame God. We have to take ownership in that. Um, a friend of mine yesterday I was listening to a sermon on Sunday uh, or from Sunday um, the other day, and it was he was talking about uh, Jesus walking on water um, and about how uh, you know the there's a miracle where 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 Peter gets out of the boat and he walks, but then they invite Jesus. You know, after all that happens, Peter is pulled up out of the water. Um, they then invite Jesus in the boat. Um, and it, and it's through this storm, it's through this, these trials and tribulations through life that when our boat's shaky, yeah, getting out of the boat's a good thing too. But when we sink a little bit, inviting Jesus back into the boat with us is huge too. Um, it's taking ownership in that, that part of, oh, you know, here's where I messed up in inviting Jesus in, like you say, inviting that love and grace in, uh, and going with it and letting it work within us. So to, to kind of continue on in, in the James, uh, you know, verse 19, uh, know this, my brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to grow angry. Ah. I don't even know why that's there, because that's the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> and, and what we need to add to that verse, there needs to be an editorial edition. <laughs> and count to 10. <laughs> count to 10. 20, if you like me. <laughs> um Anger gets us into more trouble than I'd almost say anger gets us into more trouble than money. Cause, cause you get angry that you don't have money and then you become more angry. It is anger is one of those things that it is, it is a disease and a virus that when it gets a hold of you, mm-hmm. it never like, lets go and it, it just continues to build and build and build. And I've been around some very, angry people and then when we unpack why they're angry it's over like the smallest detail it's like this is not something to get angry about right but but that's the thing i think i think you're right i think that's a good explanation of uh, i think anger causes more trouble than money because not everybody has money um you know we we get angry about not having money but we get angry about having money Um, (laughs) but everybody can afford anger it's it's free. We all have it, you know, and it is, it's over the silliest things. Um, and, and yeah, it gets, it's the reactionary part of anger. I think that's the worst. Uh, you know, somebody, somebody, you know, somebody cut me off, you know, in traffic and we're going to get angry about it. Like it even matters. 
Well, and, and so to kind of continue on in James, it, it reminds me of in, in that story with um, Jesus and Peter, you know, when, when Jesus is about to be arrested and mm-hmm. Peter gets angry and cuts off the dude's ear. I mean, I know there's more of the story than that and feel free to, right. to look at it. And, and, but, you know, Jesus says something there that, that to me is, is, is kind of points a little bit towards this is that, you know, uh, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Right. Those who live by anger die by anger. And, and James reminds us in 22 that we need to be doers of the word and, and, and not just only hearers who are misled. And I think of so often when people don't read the Bible or only read just like, you know, well, I read Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, mm-hmm. and not looking at the other verses or, you know, I read John three sixteen, not really realizing that 17 is just as important as 16. Right. And, and or the big thing is is that you know this book the entire bible uh is a book of how god has been active in the world and, and how god has mm-hmm. continued to work and how god shows love and grace and favor when we screw up because we screw up and it's a reminder that this never goes on and, you know this this is something that we're going to have to continue to work with in, until that time comes but until that time comes we still have to do the work that God has called us to do. And that's to love God mm-hmm. and to love our neighbors ourselves. And obviously we struggle with that. And, right. and I, and I really think, you know, when people tell me, you know, Oh, we just need to open your up your Bible. That's a dangerous thing because mm-hmm. one, we're asking people to interpret it. And if you're not using sources um, to kind of test you or stretch you and, and get to know the, the scriptures, you know, that, that's a, that's a big danger. If you're just reading it at face value and not, diving in to understanding the bigger mm-hmm. context of that, you know, you'll miss out on a few things and you also miss the big point in the big picture. Right. And, right. and and then I also think like the big thing for me, and this is something that I've struggled with my entire uh, Christianity walk as I, you know, still have held on to um, some of my uh, heathenist non following <laughs> past is that uh, Christians miss the point. It's mm-hmm. about love. It is. And, and we've, we can't be afraid of the other. We need to get to love them and care for them and, and take mm-hmm. care of them. And, and if we can do that right and if we do it well, that's how people are going to see God's love. That's how lives are going to be touched and changed. That's mm-hmm. how we're going to have no more war. But until we can do that, until we can actually dive in and see how Jesus lived and, and to see how even in the Old Testament, um, you know, none of them were perfect. I mean, we're getting right. ready to talk about Moses and, and Tahlequah. And, um, you know, in Moses's life, man, there's a lot of disobedience by people that are trying to be faithful to God. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I hope and pray that as we think about what it means to be a doer of the word, that we um, really kind of dive into the word. I mean, how can you be a doer of the word if you're not diving into it and actually studying scripture? Well, that and that's how James puts a little bow on this section there in verse 26. If, if any, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep ourselves um, unstained by the world. And, and it's that it, we don't just hear this, we go do it. We take care of the widows and so we live this out um, in God, it's tough. You're right. We're, we're not doing it. And, and when we pick this book up and we open it and we read it, whether it be at face value or we dig into it, it's going to mess you up because you're going to, you're going to look back and see the opportunities that you missed to do that, to take care of the widows, to love people and to love God. Uh, 
but that's not where we have to stay. There's grace in that. There's grace to move forward and not only continue to hear the word, but to do and to see those opportunities in front of us to love people, to love God. Um, and that's huge, but we can't stay there. We can't stay right. in the hearing part. Um, it's not, it's, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say this and it's probably wrong, but it's not good enough to just hear. We have to do something. Um, and I think, I think Jesus life and ministry would, would affirm that, that the people that he sat around and he talked to and he healed and, and there was never this, just hear what I have to say. There's always a call to action. Go, go and do this, get up and go you know, uh, whether it be to the Pharisees or the Gentiles or when he was healing people or, you know, the disciples, whomever, there's always this call to action to go and do something. Don't just hear what I have to say, take it and do it. So as we, um, kind of bring this to a close this week, um, you know, we're gonna have some things on our website that will kind of maybe spur the conversation, a couple of questions for you to, to use. Maybe, you know, this would be a good thing. Uh, we, we would love for you to use this as a resource, maybe for a Sunday school class or a growth group to sit down and listen to what we have to say and, and dive in yourself for the word. Cause that's an important mm-hmm. thing. Um, we don't want you to just take what we said as commentary right. and, and you know, that's right. the word. Cause there's a lot here we didn't cover. Right. And we want you to, <laughs> like, we want you to dig into it because we know like, we, we both affirm that when you dig into the word of God, your life is uh, touched and transformed in a way mm-hmm. that what growing in the word really is. And so right. um, we, we hope that you do that. We hope that you join us in this conversation through Facebook or our website or all the social media outlets that we are on. Um, you know, go on the, go on the website, buy a couple of items. We've got some great mugs, great t-shirts, all that great stuff. Um, and so uh, we uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to the Bearded Theologians and for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. And I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day. Be doers of the word. I fight bears. <laughs> <laughs>